James, we use three books. Sometimes when people come into the church, they look around for musical instruments because musical instrumentation has become a prime or main part of so many churches. These people must not like to sing. Well, you just heard how much they like to sing. And we don't have musical instruments because the New Testament tells us that we are to speak and teach and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making the melody in our hearts. That's what it says, Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16. Why do we have three books? So that we can keep Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16. Because if we're going to sing psalms, we need that little black book because it's got all 150 psalms reduced to common meter, which English people know how to sing right well. And we can sing it to any tune that's a common meter tune, like New Britain, which is the tune for Amazing Grace, we can sing any psalm to the tune of Amazing Grace and 50 other tunes by that little black book that's been used in Christian churches for 500 years. It says to sing in psalms and hymns. So we have the Red Presbyterian hymnal so that we can find some hymns to sing because a hymn is a, pra- is a song of praise in the second person to God where you are addressing God about his perfections and you are worshiping him directly. But then it says we're to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. A spiritual song is a song about living the Christian life. And so we have the Burgundy book because it's full of spiritual songs from the primitive Baptists. And so by the combination, we hope to get psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs into our assemblies. And I hope that you were able to hear how much we do love to sing here. Jane behind you is a young man that's visiting us from Florida who found us by way of our website. And he's visiting from Florida, a nine-hour trip instead of two minutes to be here. And so I wanted him to understand why we use the three books. And it didn't hurt for you to hear it either. Because I told you before we began why we don't have musical instruments here. Do all of you understand that John Kelvin... The head of, and the founder of the Presbyterian Church, if you will give it a founder, said that musical instruments in the church are the, are Christians that are ignorantly bringing forth the infant measures of the Jews of the Old Testament into the mature religion of the New Testament. That's what John Kelvin said. And there was no Presbyterian Church in the world with a musical instrument for 300 years. Right. Martin Luther, the head of The Lutheran Church and its founder, obviously, you can tell that from Luther and Lutherans, who love music. He said the organ in the church, because a few Catholic churches had an organ, is the ensign of Baal. The Wesley brothers, who started the Methodists and who wrote so many hundreds of songs, and we have many of their songs in both of those songbooks, the red one and the burgundy one, the Wesley said... We don't mind if there are pianos in our chapels, as long as they're neither seen nor heard. Supposedly, the greatest Baptist preacher was Charles Spurgeon of 120 years ago in London, England, who had the first megachurch and preached to 20,000 back then. He said... No musical instruments in his church just 100 years ago. 
the largest Baptist church in the world by a factor of 20. He said, until we are going to pray by a mechanical device, neither shall we praise by one. Because it's the, the melody is made in our hearts. And it's to come out in singing that is intelligent for the understanding. Because the New Testament teaches us, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Because we were just communicating a great deal of truth by those songs, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. And I hope you are paying attention to the words. Because they are certainly more important than even the melody made in our hearts. And they are certainly more important than the melody made by some dead box with a bunch of taut strings in it. A box with taut strings outside the house of God, I do enjoy, but not in the house of God. I don't think anyone loves the Messiah more than this church, and we love to hear it to full orchestration, but we don't want it in the house of God. That's why, brother, we have those three books, so that we can try to fulfill the word of God as closely as possible, and it's only by the grace of God. I used to play saxophone in the house of God. No laughter. Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And let us humble ourselves before his precious words. Jesus was hungry after 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. And the devil came to tempt him and said, If you're the Son of God, turn these stones here into bread and feed yourself. Jesus said, As it is written, Quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And we know that we need to live by every word of God. And we have some of his words in Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 28. The first two verses of which we dealt with this morning. And the, the last three verses of this passage we shall deal with now. But let me read to you the five beginning at verse 24. Remember, the verse begins with the wherefore, which is drawing a conclusion and pointing out the consequences of the sins of the human race that have been delineated in verses 18 through 23. Those sins are that God has revealed himself in every language and dialect by every day and every night that there is a God in heaven Because it would have taken a creator God in order to create this universe. That knowledge was clearly expressed, plainly shown to the entire human race. Psalm 19 declares it very plainly. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no language nor voice where where their line is not heard. There is a sermon preached every day and a sermon preached every night by the natural creation that God has made. Every man is without excuse, according to Romans 1.20. But because that, when they knew there was a creator God, they rejected that knowledge. They turned the truth of God into a lie and invented the wickedness of idolatry and worshipped and served images rather than the creator God. They gave the glory of the incorruptible God over to images made like two corruptible man, birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things, as Romans 1.23 describes. So for the sin of idolatry, in taking the glory away from God and giving it to statutes, 
Here's what God has done to the human race and what he's doing to America right now. He is rewiring them sexually. Verse 24, wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause... God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Amen, amen and amen. amen. This is the word of the living God. Amen. This is not a popular subject to be dealt with hardly anywhere in the world in these days of compromise, the perilous times of the last days that Paul warned us about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, when men would be lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, when men would have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Right. From such Christians, we are to turn away, right. which is what 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 declares. Let me repeat the three repetitions of two main points God wants you to get out of this passage. Three times he states these two facts that he wants you to know about him. Remember from Psalm 916, the Lord is known by the judgment that he executeth. Well, this is judgment. He rewires wicked men sexually so they end up being sodomites. You know exactly where lesbians come from because they're mentioned in Romans chapter 1, verse 26. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. But here are the two points. Number one, the God of glory, the blessed God and our Father in heaven, is a dread sovereign that is terrible in his judgment against men when they reject their knowledge of him and do not give him the glory or the thanksgiving that he deserves. All of that is stated in the context. But he is horrible and he is in the mind-altering business. Your mind is not your own. It is God's. He created it. And he calls himself the potter and we are the clay. And if he needs to rewire your mind, he'll rewire it. He'll rewire it in judgment and he'll rewire it in grace. And praise God that he's rewired it in grace. I ran away from home when I was 17 years old and told my minister father that I don't need that where I'm going when he tried to hand me a Bible. Now I preach that word. Let me tell you something happened to my head. The Lord rewired me by His grace. And He's rewired those of you to sit here and listen to me. Because the combination is brutal. But it's all of grace. He's rewired us for His glory in a good way. But His enemies that worship statutes instead of Him, that take His glory and put it on bugs, they worship men like Zeus and Jupiter, like Buddha, like Vishnu. They worship birds 
like the Ibis of Egypt, and they worship four-footed beasts. Verse 23 is what I'm referring to. And they worship bugs. They take the glory of God and give it to those creatures. They change the truth of God into a lie. He rewires them. And He wants you to know that about Him. I'm going to repeat myself again. The Lord is known by the judgment which He executeth. So let's look at the repetitions. Verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up. Notice who the operator is in verse 24. It's the God of glory. It's the God of heaven. God gives men up to wicked things. God is able to restrain you from ever sinning. Don't we pray, lead me not into temptation? Is he able to do that? If not, why do you pray it? He's able to do it. But he's also able to give men up to uncleanness. God is the operator, and this is his judgment. And if you want to know the God of the Bible, then listen to these five verses as he repeats himself three times. Number one, God gave them up in verse 24. Then verse 26, for this cause, God gave them up. God is the operator upon men. And what does he give them up to? Vile affections. Lesbians, sodomites of women are the result of God's judgment when men have rejected the knowledge of God that is evident in the creation and they deny creation and teach evolution, they deny creation and teach idolatry, God judges their nation, and we are living right in the middle of it, and you can see it and read about it and you know about it. It's now rampant when it didn't even hardly exist when I was a little child. Third, verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. God wants you to know by three repetitions in 24, 26, and 28 that the, one of the ways He judges men is to rewire their minds and to give them up to the lusts of their own hearts so that they run amok and they run wild in sexual, sexually depraved and sexual perversity, which is where sodomy comes from. The judgment of God. We already had in verse 25... Verse 24, excuse me, verse 24, the last clause says that God does this so that they will dishonor their own bodies between themselves. They wouldn't give God honor as the creator, so God takes honor away from them and reduces them to be sodomites. They act like dogs, and he calls them dogs in Deuteronomy 23, 17 and 18. He calls them dogs in Revelation chapter 21. That's God's name for sodomites. Because they do it like dogs, they look like dogs, and they are dogs. They're despicable in the sight of God. It's an abominable perversity. It's uncleanness. It's vile affections. I'm not making this up. This is the Word of God. It doesn't matter whether it's not politically correct. Is it scripturally correct? Vile affections. But God wants you to know by three repetitions, God gives men up. And that's where it comes from. Second thing he wants you to know by three repetitions. He was just and righteous and holy and pure and good and equitable and fair in doing this because men are without excuse and very guilty before he does this to them. Verses 18 through 23 describe them taking the knowledge of God that is in the natural creation and transferring it to image worship or idolatry. So there's the first repetition in verses 18 through 23. Then he repeats himself in verse 25. This is the second indictment, and I know I'm repeating myself. You understand that. Thank you. Who changed... Learning is by repetition. Did you just do flashcards once? 
I'm decent with numbers, but I use them more than once. Ask my mother. Ask my school teachers. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. There is indictment number two. He wants you to know that he is righteous. That look what man has done that has caused him to do what he's done toward them. Number three is in verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They didn't want to retain God in their knowledge. They didn't like that blessing of knowing about the living God who's the creator of heaven and earth and the sea and all that thing, all that is is in them. They didn't like that knowledge. So they were guilty of three crimes and they were great crimes. And so he blinds and hardens them and rewires them sexually. That is what we have learned so far. And we closed out verse 25 with an amen. Because right in the midst of this, if you're having any doubts about Paul's commitment to the God of glory, and if you're having any doubts about whether this God is truly blessed, look at what Paul wrote of him. Who is blessed forever. This God that rewires men sexually and rewires women sexually is blessed forever. Amen. I love Paul for his writing. He can be writing a personal letter to Timothy and just unload with this ejaculation of praise to God as he glorifies God. Then he says amen and gets back to whatever he was talking about because Paul loved the God of glory. And he loved to give him praise. So we come to verse 26. For this cause, I want you, God is constantly telling you there's a reason why I'm doing this. There's a reason why I did it. There's a reason why I have to do it. Because men are so wicked in rejecting my knowledge. He's the creator. We're the creature. We owe him everything. Now, we happen to owe him everything for a couple of reasons. Not only are we his creatures, we are his children by adoption. He has adopted us to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're twice his. He created us and he bought us. The purchase price, the precious blood of his own son. We owe him everything. For this cause, what cause? The cause of verse 25, they changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. They are going to love doing stuff that is kinky and wicked and perverse and unnatural and wrong and disgusting and revolting and abominable. Vile affections. They're going to love doing it. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. Remember the larger argument. Paul's large argument extends from 118 to 319 to condemn the whole human race, including you and me. He's got to get us all condemned, hopelessly guilty, and condemned before God before we can properly receive and understand the doctrine of salvation, which he takes up in 320 and which runs to the end of chapter 11. But if he doesn't establish how wicked we are and how depraved we are, we will try to slip in human works or the human will into our salvation. But he's going to cut off all those avenues before we get to chapter 3. And he's doing it right here by pointing out that the first way I dealt with man after Eden, you know, the first way he dealt with man was in Eden. What more could he have done than to create a perfect world and a perfect woman and a perfect man and they had a perfect marriage? And they walked with God and there was only one commandment to keep. Is God good? Is he merciful and benevolent and easy? 
is he easy? But they rejected him. They chose a lie of the devil and went against his promise that in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. After that, he revealed himself through the creation. After that, he reveals himself through providence, the goodness of God in our daily lives. After that, he reveals himself to us by our conscience. And you know what? We just keep right on sinning, don't we? So he does these things for this cause. He tells us that he's righteous. We forced his hand as a race for this cause. God gave them up into vile affections. This is the origin of sodomy. Sodomy is not because your mother wore pants. Sodomy is not because your father was effeminate and quiet. Sodomy is not because you weren't nursed long enough. Sigmund Freud and the rest of the German idiots. Sodomy isn't, doesn't come from any of those sources. Sodomy isn't because you grew up and it was little girls that played in your sandbox when you were a child. No, sodomy comes from rejection of God and God rewires the human brain to do those things that are contrary to nature because they wouldn't give him honor. He is going to dishonor them by reducing them down to their hands and knees. He made us in his image and we stood upright. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections. Now, there is a, an adverb in our language, even, which is used to draw extreme examples from a general proposition. And the one here is, there are even lesbians by the rewiring of God's judgment on men for their wickedness. Ordinarily, God judges the men first because they're the most responsible. But here, God brings up an example to prove the general proposition by an extreme illustration of it by the use of the adverb even. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. By this text, the Lord God is telling us that ordinarily, in matters of sin, women are better than men. Ordinarily. They will not stoop, nor are they quite as depraved, nor quite as perverse in sexual matters as men. You should be able to figure some of that out without me helping you further. I could help you further, but I think you can figure that out. There is a drive in men that drives them to more perverse activities than it does ladies. However, when God's in the rewiring business, notice what he wants you to find out. For even their women. And there are lesbians in pulpits in this country today that are being accepted by people sitting in the pew as legitimate preachers of the Word of God. They're not qualified in any respect. Their sex at the moment of conception by the God of heaven precluded them from ever standing in a pulpit. Women should not speak in the church. They are commanded to be silent in the church. They are under obedience as also saith the law. The Bible says that very plainly and preaches it very Strictly in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35 and 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12. Then it says that a qualification to be a bishop is that you are the husband of one wife. And that you are a good father and you keep your family in control and you rule them well. But then there are churches that take lesbians into the pulpit. God have mercy on our nation. We have departed from the living God. We have departed from the Word of God. And these are in churches. I'm not talking about brothels. I'm not talking about Hollywood. I'm talking about churches. The Lord 
likes to use women as an extreme example to make his point. Let me show you another example from the Bible. Hopefully you've read the Bible enough to know this one. Deuteronomy chapter 28 has 68 verses in it, and it shows God's blessings and God's curses. 15 verses for blessings and 53 verses for curses. It's God's promise to Israel, if you'll obey me, I'm going to pour all this stuff out on you. First 15 verses. If you disobey me, now we're not talking about the Philistines, Egyptians, and Canaanites. We're talking about the people of Israel, the church of the Old Testament. If you disobey me, here are 53 verses of how I'm going to pound you into oblivion until you are hauled away captive into all nations and your nation is entirely lost where it has stood for 2,000 years. As he gets to the end of that 53 verses, he says this. I'm going to put the nation in a siege, a military siege that is so bad, and the starvation is going to be so great within the city walls that the delicate and tender woman, who is so delicate and tender that she will not put the sole of her foot on the ground for delicateness and tenderness, is going to eat the child that comes out from between her legs. Deuteronomy 28. Now that gets the point across, doesn't it? That it's going to be a bad siege. Would you say that? Amen. The child that she gave birth to, she is going to gnaw on. Josephus, the historian in 70 A.D., as he stood outside the city walls of Jerusalem and watched it leveled by the Roman armies, found out the name of an elegant woman in that city that ate her offspring. God did exactly what he promised in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And he's doing exactly what he promised in Romans chapter 1 because all you have to do is go to the Internet, drudge report, pick up a newspaper, and it's happening everywhere. Lesbians, where did they come from? They come from a nation that said, no more prayer, no more God, no more Ten Commandments, and no more creation in our schools. It's by evolution. Evolution must be taught. Creation cannot be taught. Isn't that what the context is saying here? As soon as you reject the Creator, notice what He's going to do. He is our Creator. He created my mind, and I thank God He created it, and I thank God that His will is stronger than my will. And I thank God that He rewired my will to like His will. And to do his will. So the Bible tells us, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The only reason I want to do God's pleasure and the only reason I do God's pleasure is because he rewired me. He worked it in me so that I would want to work it out. And I'm supposed to work it out with fear and trembling. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. It's all of grace. It's all of grace. That we're not sodomites in Romans chapter 1. And that right now we're not gathering together to prepare for some demonstration somewhere for our rights. You know what our response, forget our rights. Do you know what our responsibilities are? To worship the God of glory. To worship our creator. To give him glory. And to be thankful for every good thing we have in our lives because it is from his benevolent, generous, and wide open hand. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Verse 27, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman. Listen, one man, one woman, Garden of Eden, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. One man, one woman, together, naked, no clothes, no shame, married by, married by God. What a service. What an opportunity. What a blessing. What a privilege. What a companion. What a help. Meet for Adam. What sexual pleasure? Marriage is honorable all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And sodomites. What a blessing. One man, one woman. It's the only marriage known in the Bible. There's no same-sex marriage in the Bible. That's perversion. 
A few years ago, our parents would have, they would not have even believed that the words could be combined. Right? Same sex marriage. Are you kidding me? That's a contradiction. The same sex doesn't get married. But now it does. What's happened to our nation? They've turned their backs on God and He's rewired them. And it's happened so fast. I know I'm old to some of you, but I'm young to others of you. And I'm thankful for those of you that think I'm young. (laughs) Joshua, I know I'm old to you. But it's just in my lifetime. It's in my lifetime that they've come out. You know, just a few years ago, they knew it was a shameful thing, so they stayed in the closet where they belong. Well, until God sent them to hell. They stayed in the closet. Do you know why? Because there was so much shame attached to it and and a little bit of fear (laughs) that the neighbors might do something to them. But now they're all out in the open. Where has the shame gone? Why are they past feeling? Did we turn to Ephesians chapter 4 where it says that they are past feeling and that they greedily run after uncleanness? Now there's no shame. But there's shame because we're able to look at it and see that the perfect plan of God has been totally corrupted by them and they are doing things that animals won't even do. When was the last time your neighbor's pit bull, the male one, backed up to another pit bull? Male one. Sorry. Because look what we're about to learn. It's totally contrary to nature. Verse 27. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman... God made everything anatomically correct, didn't he? Face-to-face, loving, eye contact, beautiful, union together as a husband and a wife. You can send me your thank yous later for being discreet. It's beautiful, anatomically correct, angles, everything, perfect, better than perfect, mind-blowing. Wonderful. Thank you, blessed God of heaven. There ought to be a fifth verse in How Great Thou Art that describes what I'm talking about. Because how in the world can you get excited about God's greatness of birds singing sweetly in the trees and lofty mountain grandeur not get excited about how good God made the human body and the pleasure that it allows us by His grace. It's all of God. We don't deserve any of it. After Eden, life should be one torturous wreck for all of us. But he still shows his goodness. He he has not left himself without a witness in the earth, in his providence, in the way he's created us. And his design is glorious. But notice what men have done when God rewires them. They lose all that. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Sodomites do not look at sex as they take it or leave it matter. Sodomites burn. Violently for constant fulfillment of their lust. I've already mentioned it in the first service, but if you don't believe that, then go read Genesis 19 about what the men did at Lot's house when there were two angels inside who looked like two men they hadn't had yet. They wearied themselves all night long, even after God struck them with blindness, trying to get themselves inside that house. Then Judges 19, which you read last night in your preparation for today's worship, A city in the tribe of Benjamin of the people of Israel, the same kind of animal spirit of wanting to break into that house and get that visiting Levite that was in their city. And what they did to his concubine. 
They gang-raped her all night long until she died with her hands on the threshold. You know what a real preacher does? And I'm sorry that I'm not this kind of a preacher. I want to be. Someday maybe I'll grow up. But that Levite took that concubine, pulled out his knife, and cut her into 12 pieces, put them in FedEx envelopes, and mailed them to the 12 tribes of Israel. And they all appeared as one man together and said, let's go take Benjamin and wipe them off the face of the earth. Why isn't that in Bible storybooks? There's three chapters in the Bible about it. Judges 19, 20, and 21. They wiped out the tribe of Benjamin down to 900 men. Then they went and got them a few wives so that they could rebuild the tribe. But God blessed their efforts to wipe them out. Hundreds of thousands of people. For what crime? Sodomy. Where does the name sodomy come from? The crime of the inhabitants of the city of Sodom. Whose cry came up into heaven. Because God saw what they were doing in Genesis chapter 13, Genesis chapter 18, says that they were wicked sinners before the Lord exceedingly, and that their sin was grievous in the sight of God, and he dropped fire and brimstone straight out of heaven and burned up those cities. Men with men, burned in their lust one toward another, working that which is unseemly. I love the word of God. Unseemly, inappropriate, and disgusting. Men with men, working that which is unseemly. They are not anatomically correct. Let your imagination run as far as it needs to for you to be repulsed by the idea so that you will understand the definition and the sense of the word unseemly. And receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. These are Holy Spirit inspired words. Sodomy reduces men to the most disgusting sexual depravity, which is an appropriate reward for their rejection of the God of heaven. That is what the words are declaring. This is God, the Holy Spirit, saying that sodomy, which is an unseemly thing that men burn toward each other in doing, it is a recompense of their error of not worshiping God correctly that is meat, that is appropriate fitting and suitable for the crime. God would never overpunish anyone because God is righteous. But when you don't give glory to the, pot, the potter and you are but the clay, he's going to rewire you and this is what he's going to do to you and the result is fitting. This is the truth of God's word. No, it's not taught much anymore. No, I feel like a lone voice. Amen. But we're not going to change our voice. Right. This is the word of God. And if Noah stood alone and only saved he and his family in the ark and the rest of the earth was drowned, then had God have mercy upon our church because we're going to stand on the truth of God's word. This is where it comes from. This is why it comes. And God is just and holy in doing it. And he has designed it as a perfectly appropriate punishment for men that say there is no God. We're, the, we're here the result of a big bang of cosmic gases. We are descendants from monkeys. Professing themselves to be wise, because it's usually a professor that says something like that. And when a professor says something like that, God is going to turn that nation into hell. Psalm 9:17, And he's doing it right before our eyes. Right. It's in my lifetime. Evolution required, creation out the window. Prayers at football games, cut. Prayers in school, cut. When President Kennedy was assassinated, what do you think my first grade teacher did? I was in the first grade. Her name was Mrs. Chapman. I'm very thankful for her. She taught me the phonetic way to read. 
My poor wife followed along three years later in the same school system and was taught the, the sight method of reading, which isn't reading at all. It's guesswork. Oh, that's a, that's a rabbit trail I don't want to take right now. But listen, phonics. Forget phonics. Let's get back to John F. Kennedy. He was shot. 1963. I'm in the first grade. What do you think our teacher told us to do? Absolutely. What do the cameras at every single NFL game and every NCAA game avoid 97 times out of 100 ever showing you that after every game, there's about 50 players on an NFL roster, something like that. After every game, there's at least 50 players of both colors of uniforms in the center of the field on their knees praying together. But our stinking media, they will show you Two men holding hands. They will show you two women adopting or having a child by IVF and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Sodomy, in all of its despicableness, is perfectly appropriate for men who say there is no God. It is precious. In fact, I love the God of glory. In fact, I love Psalm 916. It says, The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. And I'm able to read here that three times he wants me to know that it's him that gave them up to their vile affections. And three times that he's very fair in doing it because of the sins they've committed against him. But you know, when I read about them now in the paper, and this has been true for a long time since the Lord showed the truth of Romans chapter 1 to me, but when I read about them, it doesn't disturb me all that much except to pray for God to forgive our nation and to preserve it for the sake of our children and our children's children. With seven children, and I mean 14 children, if you count the spouses of the seven children. Oh, but not a spouse yet. Just hold on, young man. And 12 grandchildren. I want this country to be a safe place for our family. Don't you want it to be a safe place for your family? Then you better pray for God to forgive what's going on in our country. And you better tell him that he is the creator and you want to give him glory. You want to go out on your deck and turn up the Messiah until the neighbors call the police. Listen. They can turn up some of that stuff they call rap. Why can't we turn up the Messiah? Hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Yes. Shake the subdivision. I'll come. It's never too loud for me till there's blood running out of my ears. Hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. King of kings. Lord of lords. You mess with him. He rewires your mind sexually. That's about as personal, that's about as intimate that he can possibly get to us to make you change from a woman-loving man to a man-loving man. And the God of heaven does it when you mess with his glory and you do not do things the way he wants it to be done, which according to verse 25 is changing the truth of God into a lie. If there is anything taught in the pages of Holy Scripture and you change it because you want to worship God differently than what those pages say, then you are running the risk of ending up in bed with the same sex. Have it your way. I want it God's way. His way is best. He is the inventor and designer of sex. You can never improve on him or his manual. Amen. Do you love the last clause? Receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. Now you should meditate on words like that. They're full 
receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Now, there's some English words there that you're not as familiar with that you may not have used in a sentence. But what it's saying is sodomy is an appropriate judgment on men who reject God. It's very fitting and suitable for them to stoop down and crawl around and back up to each other like dogs. That's what the verse is saying. But notice, I want to point something out. Receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. They receive it in themselves. God does it to them personally so that it is a, it is a judgment accomplished in their bodies, as verse 24 describes, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Here's why. Listen to this. Could God have judged men with famine for rejecting him? But that would be outside their bodies and it would be impersonal. How would you know if there was a famine that God was really angry with you? Because it looks like he's angry with everyone. Could he have sent a pestilence? Could he have sent a war? Could you have been caught by a lion in the streets or in the field in Old Testament, in in Bible times? But those would all be external. But what if it's something that you are really loving to do, but it's entirely despicable? God is going to dishonor you and put you down in the ground and humiliate you with perpetual shame because you took honor away from Him and gave it to a statute in idolatry. Do you understand that phrase? They received it in themselves. It was a personal manifestation of God's judgment within their bodies to do something in their bodies uh, with another person's, with another man's body, or a woman with a woman, despicable, for perpetual shame, personal, intimate, the Lord humbling them before all of us. They are His enemies, and look what He's done to them. Praise His glorious name. Look what Paul would say. If Paul was preaching this, would he say, praise His glorious name? I'll tell you what he would say. He said it in the last clause of verse 25. Who is blessed forever. Amen. The God that does this is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, once God showed himself to them, they didn't want to remember him. They wanted to get rid of that knowledge. They they took their minds away with drugs. They took their minds away with music. They took their minds away with any form of entertainment, activity, or amusement. What's amusement mean? What does the word amusement mean? Amuse. Get rid of the suffix meant. Amuse. What does muse mean? To think. Have you ever... What does muse mean as a verb? To think. To consider. To meditate. What does amuse mean? No thinking. No consideration. No meditating. What is an amusement park? A bunch of noise and activity to keep you from thinking. What do most Americans live for? Amusement. Because God wants us to muse. God wants us to meditate. God wants us to soberly examine our lives, our hearts, and what we are doing for the God of glory. But we spend most of our time amusing ourselves so that there's so much noise coming in, we get in our vehicle, we turn on the radio. And it's blaring and talking and singing and making noise so that we can't muse like we should. It's at home. It's in the workplace. It's in restaurants. Do you know what our farming grandfathers got? 24 hours of peace and quiet. MP3 players. Everything. There's noise everywhere. Slow down and retain the knowledge of God. If you let that noise drive it out of your head, then you're starting to fall into verse 28, and who in the world knows what's coming for you? 
Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, does the Bible say, be still and know that I am God? Does it say that? Here's their third indictment. And so what does God do? God gave them over. Three times he says God gave them over. Verse 24, verse 26, verse 28. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. A rejected, depraved, wicked, perverse mind. To do those things which are not convenient. Sodomy is not convenient. Women with women are not anatomically prepared for it. Men with men, it's inconvenient. But in order to set the stage for next Sunday, while we sit here and stand here and preach against sodomites, and we have to, because of Romans 1, 24 through 28, I want to point out to you that I know full well that verse 28 does not end with a period. And that inconvenient is not pointing backward at sodomy. It's pointing forward at a list of sins that is going to get you a thousand times. Because Paul's argument is to get us down, condemned and guilty before the holy God of heaven. And do you follow the wisdom of what he just did? He just made you upset and angry about sodomy for the despicable crime that it is against nature. And then while you're just starting to think that you're a pretty good Joe because you've never done anything so wicked and vile, he says God gives men over to a reprobate mind to do these 20 things that are not convenient. And we've all fallen into this passage, and it's got its tentacles around us, and we are dead to rights before God. And so the first verse of the second chapter, look at what it says. Look at what it says. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. Isn't Does the Lord know how to get us? But listen, what I've preached to you today isn't to be modified or retracted. It is the truth of God's glory. Sexual deviation is by God rewiring the human brain contrary to nature so that men will do things to corrupt themselves and dishonor themselves between themselves for God to get glory because they wouldn't give Him glory. He will humble them on the ground. If you want God to bless you and your family, then you make sure you're giving Him glory and being thankful for everything He's given you. Those two crimes are the two crimes mentioned in verse 21. They did not give God glory, and neither were they thankful. We are not thankful enough, and we don't give Him enough glory. We can give Him more of both. Before I finish, I want to tell you this. That I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is a glorious Savior. And though this chapter... And the next chapter are going to make us out to be great sinners. He's a greater Savior. I want to tell you this. The church at Corinth had members that had been sodomites. And we can prove it from a Bible. With this I close. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. There is no such thing as a Christian sodomite. Not ever. Impossible. There is such a thing as a repentant sodomite who became a Christian. Or a Christian who fell into sodomy and repented of it and came out of it and was restored to living like a Christian. Watch this beautiful verse. Brethren, this is the gospel. Please understand. 
that the reason we have to preach this negative message, I don't consider it negative myself, I consider it who is blessed forever. Amen. What a God that does the things of Romans 1, 24 through 28. He's, he's worthy of my worship. He's worthy of everything I have. Everything I am. Forever. Time and eternity. Too short for him. For what he's done. He's great and glorious. But the God, this has to be done for you to appreciate the gospel. Paul did it this way. The Holy Spirit inspired it this way. What some might consider to be ugly verses in Romans 1, 2, and 3, they're beautiful to the right eye, the right heart. And then we hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. But we don't hear about him until chapter 3, verse 20. But I want you to, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and with this, I want you to love the Lord. And we're going we're gonna to sing, Thou Art Worthy, to close out our service. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Follow with me, brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, that's sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Isn't that precious? The church at Corinth was a bunch of ugly sinners saved by grace. James, that's why I wrote and told you. Why do you want to come to Greenville? All we are is a bunch of ugly sinners saved by grace. Look at that list. There were sodomites in the church at Corinth. And such were some of you. Metropolitan community churches, it doesn't say, and such are some of you. It says, and such were some of you. It's repentant sodomites. It's repentant adulterers. It's repentant fornicators and repentant idolaters. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I've tried to make sodomy dirty today because it is dirty. But the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ has, can wash sodomites so that they are every whit clean as any other child of God. Amen. That is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, that's made holy. But ye are justified, that's made righteous. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Thank you, blessed God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God today? Do you believe that this God is the God of the Bible? He is our Father. By predestinated adoption through Jesus Christ our Lord, He has saved us out of this world, changed our hearts, opened our minds, sent us the gospel, and He expects us to live worthy of His name. Let's go out of this place and do that today. May Jesus Christ be praised.